0: well hello everyone welcome uh, to this church that is a really a church that gathers in thousands of locations uh, one of them is right where you are right now we're really glad you're with us my name is Ben and uh, we have some important work to do today we can't control everything around us right we can't control the weather we can't control the the politics we, we can't control uh, you know the pandemic but we can take responsibility for some of the steps and the strides that we ourselves can make by which we invite God's strength and power into our lives so that we can see a real change. That's what we want to talk about. That's what we want to work on together We're calling this whole series, Wish You Were Here, right? Wish You Were Here, because it's like this invitation from from God where he's, uh, you know, sending his son who's always calling us and inviting us and and wooing us. Have you sensed in your own life uh, Jesus inviting you to a new place? Not just because it's a new year, just because it's time in your life. And He's calling you by His Spirit to this new place. We've had this crazy COVID year, right? And in this time of distancing, if we're honest, a lot of us have also moved further away from God as well in this time. So it's time to wake up and to move forward and to hear the Lord saying, you know, I, 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 I see that you're here, but you could be here. There's a better, stronger, purer, more mature, deeper, wiser, more patient, calmer more joy-filled version of you and me that Jesus sees and makes possible through his spirit and he's like man I wish you were here will you let me help you get there and that's what we're trying to work on that's what we're trying to do so that we can say I'm not just going through COVID I'm going to grow through COVID right I hope that's what you want to do is grow through COVID. Te- focal text for us is Philippians chapter 3, um, verses 13 and 14, which says, I, Paul, it says, I focus on this one thing and I'm forgetting the past now, all right? And instead, I'm looking forward to what's ahead. I'm going to press on to reach the end of, of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. There's something in your past that needs to go. It just does. It's time. You need to leave it behind so you can press on and move forward. That's how we grow. And that's what we're trying to figure out here over these last few weeks. We've been evaluating. We began by saying, well, where am I really? Like spiritually speaking, and when, when you walk with God, where are you? you know? Are you moving closer? Are you moving further away? Where are you right now? And, and the data actually during COVID revealed that, you know, there's about a third of us that are doing okay. You know, we're, we're doing pretty well. COVID was actually a time of spiritual renewal. We connected deeply with our church and with our Lord. But there's another third of us that are just kind of so-so, you know, like not totally cut off, but not really vibrant and thriving either. Maybe that's you. You know, there's another third of us or so that, is really not doing very well at all. We've kind of drifted, like pretty significantly just stepped away from Christ and his people, and we don't have relationships around us that are helping us flourish and thrive. So what do we know? We know that whoever we are and wherever we might be in that self-assessment, there's a next step for us. And so we've been trying to identify every week these basic Biblical, radical, but effective action steps that will help us kind of re-energize our faith and reignite our church. Because these these steps are are things that will help us go against our natural desires and our Tendencies and instead kind of act out in a sort of act of revolution. We're calling them New Year's revolutions. Not a resolution because that's kind of something we tend to fail at and do on our own power. But a revolution says it really brings change. And that's what we want. So these acts of revolution, they appear small when you look at them, but they actually have the capacity to bring huge change in our life because they create room for God to show up and work. And that's where the change Comes from. So small actions with big results because it creates room for God to work in our life. So the first New Year's revolution was fasting and prayer. That's what we're working on together. Everyone's invited. No matter where you are with God, it's okay. You can join us in this by fasting once a week through the month of January, we're fasting on Thursday nights after dinner, and um, through Friday, and then breaking the fast with Friday dinner. And uh, it's just a way to focus, you know, our minds and our hearts and our bodies, on Christ, and pray more earnestly and call out to Him. And it's just been exciting to hear, frankly, the stories that have been coming back. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us are doing this, and it's awesome to hear how it's just—it's humbling um, uh, ourselves before God and just calling out on behalf of our souls and our families and our nation. What a beautiful gesture. We have one more week left, so I encourage you, text the word FAST to the, word, to the number on the screen, and we'll send you some stuff that'll kind of prime your pump and help you get through all of that. Next, uh, The next New Year's revolution is to draw a firm line and say, you know what, doggone it, I'm going to make weekly participation in the worship of God through Mountain an absolute non-negotiable priority in my life. Like, as for me in my house, that's what I'm doing. So come what may, I'm going to make it a priority. And, and so every single week, you know, you're online with us. Or you might have heard, if you didn't hear, I'm telling you now, we're going to regather together in person very soon at our campuses. All right, we're starting January 31. That's where we're going to um, just all the mountain people are welcome. We're going to open to the public on February 7th for those who are eager and ready and hungry to get back together. And be sure to go to the website and look at all the stuff so that you know uh, the protocols and the, and the safety measures because we're going to make sure these, abs- these gatherings are absolutely super safe. So that's number two. Number three, we talked about last week, and that is increase my Bible intake. Increase my Bible intake just because when we get Christ's word inside of us, right, we're not talking about external changes. we want it inside of us. So we got to take it into ourselves. So whether it's through an app or listening in the car or just spending more time in the Word or a Bunch of you joined small groups this week that are going to help you study. That's great. Something that will fill our minds with some other than, than Hulu and, and, and social media and, and, and the news, right? And for some of us, that's maybe five minutes a day is an increase. Boom. Beautiful. Do it. For others, maybe it's, it's something more than that, but we're, we can all increase our Bible intake today. Today I want to paint three pictures for you. All right. I want to give you three images. And the first image will illustrate a serious problem. And the second will give you an invitation to a place that's really a solution to the problem. And the third image, the third image is a challenge to enter into a process that will really change your life. So a problem, a place, and a process. First, the problem. So raise your hand if you have ever uh, seen uh, one of these things, right? Uh, uh, a, a merry-go-round like that. Have you ever seen a merry-go-round? Of course we all have. If you're an old guy like me, you remember those uh, death traps as they used to be on playgrounds. Some genius in my playground when I grew up thought it was a great idea to put that merry-go-round on a, on a, like a concrete pad, I guess, to ensure that if you ever kind of fell off it, you would shred your skin like you just fell off a motorcycle going 100 miles an hour or something. So th- those those old merry-go-rounds, I think they've pretty much been banned or outlawed by now. But um, it's where we all discovered the power of centrifugal force. And we didn't call it that, but we experienced the reality of it, didn't we? Um, it's when you pile a bunch of kids on that that thing and someone starts pushing it or running around the outside with it, right? You start to feel this powerful, invisible force that starts pulling you away from everyone and everything. It's like this little gal. Check this little gal out and see what happens to her. Watch the screen. I love how when that's, uh, uh, everyone looks at it and then they wonder, is she going to start bawling when she gets up? She's fine, i want to do it again. That's great. We've all experienced what she uh, experienced right there. That, that idea of that outward pull, right? And, and here's, the, here's the other thing. We've experienced that not just on the playground, but we've experienced it in our own lives, haven't we? We've, we've experienced this. This pull, not just, on a merry-go-round, but in our lives. This is something that we feel very, very true in our wider society and in churches and in our own lives. There are powerful, invisible forces at work pulling us apart from one another. They're real and they're strong and they leave us isolated and alone. And sometimes we get flung out so far we don't just pop up and say, let's do it again. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way God meant it to be, created things to be. It's, 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 not, it's a big problem. And, and when we learn to live with that pull and thrust apart from each other, we, we never become what we were meant to be. It's a big problem. In the beginning, scripture, scripture says God created, and it says about humans, it says he created male and female together, like not just one at a time. The first page of the Bible says, God, God says it's not good for the man to be alone because we need other people. We're designed that way. It's baked into who we are. So at the beginning, it's 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 created beautifully. You know, you, we're all together there with God and one another and God with us in close relationships. There's peace, there's harmony, there's closeness. There's no fear, there's no shame in the Garden of Eden. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not hiding yet. They're, they're, there's no ugliness, there's no, no ghosting, no trolling, no dissing, no attacks, no passive aggressive behavior. It's all good. But then when sin enters the picture, one of the things that gets really messed up is this ability to stay together. It's like sin just thrust everyone out. And the next thing you know, Adam and Eve are at each other's throats. And they're running from God and they're hiding from God. They're ashamed. And then one son kills the next. And it's like, wow, it's like Satan just took his finger and just spun the globe and just like a merry-go-round. All of a sudden, this centrifugal sort of force that drives us away from each other went into full effect. And we still live on that spinning globe today. And we feel the effects of it, don't we? It's why relationships, we, we go into them, we feel insecure or we get selfish or we, we can't stick with someone or we have grudges and hate each other or why we're drawn to to. Want to to go towards someone, but are afraid to death at the same time. All of that is because we're thrust apart by this sin And, and, and the way that our society has learned today, we just learned that that's the way things are. Like we're getting used to it. And even our houses are built like caves you go into the garage and the bat cave door closes and you know we 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 don't go and sit on the front porch we go hide in our dens and turn on our TVs or go to our back deck and 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 we retreat and and, and our lives get busy with work and phones and laptops and we really don't need anyone we say that's how society's become and then covid comes along and it multiplies all that times 100 it's like ten dads on the merry-go-round, just spinning the thing as fast as all of us. All of a sudden, locked in our rooms, like with no end to, in sight. Right. So the separation force has strained even the closest of relationships. We're all like that little girl flung off that ride. Right. Part. Think of all the parties and the weddings and the funerals and the graduations and the get-togethers and the friend gatherings and the sports and the small groups and the church services that just never happened. All of us have been affected. And what made it even worse is that in our privacy of our own homes, we went to social media, which just drove us further into divided camps and Groups and echo chambers and now no wonder anxiety is off the charts and suicide is skyrocketing and everybody's depressed and feeling mental health struggles and we're all just scrambling, even in the church, just to cherish Zoom contacts and figure out how the few places we can gather. Friends, it's a serious problem. We're designed for community. And the problem is a whole lot of us don't have strong, God-centered, life-giving, life-shaping relationships. We don't have them. A whole bunch of us just don't. James Vanier says, we must never forget that Satan is the adversary of love and community. He hates communities where people are growing in love and in the knowledge of Jesus. Friends, that's what we're trying to be. And Satan hates it. He does everything he can to sow discord, to create divisions, and finally destroy community. Throw us off the merry-go-round altogether. We got a connection problem. Covid's made it worse. That's the problem. Let me tell you about another image, and this will this will be sort of an invitation to a place. A friend was on a business trip. He, he was staying in a, one of those big motels, and. Um, he went to the elevator and he was surprised to see this sign that was taped up inside the elevator. Handwritten note. It said, party tonight, room 210, 8 p.m. All caps, everyone invited, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. It's like, wow. <laughs> you begin to think about that. It sounds kind of intriguing, Does it? kind of interesting. I mean, who, you think, like, who would throw that party? I mean, and, and why would they throw that party and what? Who's going to show up? What's it going to be like? I mean, your imagination starts to wander a little bit. Like, you know, if you headed to that room 210 at 8 p.m. tonight, I mean, what's that going to be like? Who's going to wander in? You're going to find maybe a couple of sales reps, you know, like business traveler guys that are on the road all the time in their rented cars, and they're just sick and tired of their routine. Instead of heading to their rooms to, you know, Call the, call the wife and watch TV and fall asleep and do it all over again tomorrow. Sometimes we just need a change to our, or, to our lives. And so they might show up, slip into that party and see, see what's going on. Or maybe, you know, they're going to find a, a couple uh, on vacation after a busy day of sightseeing, you know. They see the invitation, they get excited because they're, maybe they're tired of being tourists and they want to go someplace where they can kind of hang out with real people and not just be by themselves anymore. Or man, maybe he's stopping overnight on a long journey. He's, he's really on a long, hard road. And he might stop in just to see. Maybe have a bit of fun. Or the motel employees might show up just to kind of make sure, you know, nothing gets out of hand. We're just here to, you know, make sure it's Okay. Or some kids slip out of their parents' room. We're going to go get some soda pop. And uh, they actually head up to room 210 and poke their nose in there at 8 p.m. I mean, it would, I, I'll tell you what. If I'm in that hotel, I'm on the second floor around 8 p.m. just meandering by and, and glancing to see if the door might be propped open. Who's in there? What's going on? Is it interesting? And if so, I might just slip in and see. Is there free food? I'm, I'm going to see. The, the idea that there's a party that anyone could come to is pretty intriguing. Now here's the letdown. Um, turns out the whole thing was a hoax. Yeah, it was a practical joke, which is a pretty good one. I, I'll have to use that myself sometime. And so the management put up a typewritten sign, you know, it's like, and just, it's not really a party, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for just a brief moment, it's pretty tantalizing, isn't it? Think about that. To think about the idea, the possibility, that there just might be such a place, like a, Like a room 210 at 8 p.m., where there was a party going on, and everybody was invited. And whoever you were, when you walked in, it was like, hey, glad you're here. There's a place for you, come on in. It didn't make any difference why you went, whether you were bored or, or hurting or curious or skeptical. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what brought you in as much as what happened to you after you got there. Just imagine, you know what? (laughs) There is such a place. There is, y'all. And it's not a hoax. And Jesus is the one throwing that kind of party. And you're invited. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. And that's that place that place isn't a hotel room, it's it's people who are called together by Jesus. This church is that hotel and small groups are room 210. And you're welcome. Everyone's welcome. And that's the really good news. And it's the solution to the very thing we're hungry for the most. You know, Jesus came talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God, as much as anything, you know what it is? It's a party. (laughs) It's a party that anyone can come to. And Jesus says, all y'all come. And he started with just calling a few, like 12 and then a few more. And he just like, they were really all over the map, a rough cuss Fishermen and carpenters and then white-collar you know, tax clerks and brought them all together. And he says, come be with me. And the second they, they came to be with Jesus, the first thing they figured out is that, oh, if I follow Jesus, he connects me with some other people, not all of whom I would ever have anything to do with. But if you want to be with Jesus, you absolutely have to be with some others as well. Jesus always says, follow me together. Always. It's just how it works. Following Jesus is always done in the company of friends. And you look at the, the scriptures, and you look at history, and the party just keeps growing. You know, I mean, they kept putting more signs up all over the elevators, and then more hotels. Right? You know, it's just like go into all the world, Jesus says, and just make sure everybody knows. And you get to the book of Acts, and you get this beautiful picture where all these people are following instant megachurch three thousand. Look at Acts two forty six. It says, "Now all these people they've gathered together." And it says they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread together in their homes. Notice these people aren't just together once on a weekend, but day in and day out. They did life together. And then notice also they didn't just gather in large groups like the big church service in the temple. They hung out in each other's homes and they shared meals together. Did life together like that. Stayed connected. That's why when Somebody says, well, what are you all about Martin? We say we're about making disciples. What does that look like? Love God, love people, and serve the world. And if you want to love people, one of the things you've got to do is hold on to some others who are on the same journey with Jesus, because you cannot do the journey with Jesus by yourself. And if there's ever a time that we really understand this, it's right now, coming out of COVID, when we've been kind of getting used to the idea of being all by ourselves. Small groups are biblical. They are where life change happens. And so here's the next New Year's revolution for us. All right, are you ready? Here it is. The revolution is that you would connect and commit deeply to relationships in a group. That you would connect and commit deeply to relationships in a group. For some of you, this is a radical and huge and crazy scary step, but you're ready. Trust me, you're ready. And for those of you who are like, I'm already in a group, then maybe the most important word there is the word deeply for you to go to the next level. We want groups at Mountain to be places that we sometimes use these three things. We say they're a place where we can be honest and real with each other because you've got to be able to just finally be honest and real. Most of us, studies reveal don't have any close friends. A place where we can finally tell the truth, where we can let someone inside where we can get past all those false notions about, well, everyone else is so much further along than I am. They wouldn't understand how bad I am or what my problems are. We get past all that hypocrisy and get to the place where we can start seeing significant change in our life because we let down the barriers. And that only happens when you get honest and real with some other people. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, he who is alone in his sin is utterly alone. And I think one of the hard things about COVID is we've all been alone with our sin. And it's time to come out of our caves whenever we think it's safe and get honest and real with each other. Groups are also a place where we share Christ-like care. It's just as Christ loved us, we've just got to create a community where we recognize that we're all here on the same terms. We need the healing and the hope and the help and salvation and the forgiveness of Jesus. That's why we're all here and we just convey that same compassion and hospitality. And I love the way this church does that. Even through COVID, you figured out how to bring meals and help people move and show up with surprises and just do caring things. And then the third thing a group does is it's a place where we strive for unity. And if we ever needed it, right now is the time because our nation is divided. Jesus prayed by contrast that we would be one. May they be brought to complete unity, Jesus prayed. Friends, when we're divided, the world can't see Jesus. So unity matters and and we've got to get past and go against the hypersensitive society that says, if you say something I don't agree with, I'm out of here. And instead stick together and stay together and have Jesus love, reverse all that outward thrust and hold us together. And small groups are where that happens. So are you committed and connected in relationships in a group? That's the problem. It's ripping us apart. The invitation is to a place. Let me give you the third picture, which is the invitation to a process, to let your life be changed by submitting to that process of connecting and committing to a group. The picture comes out of Proverbs 27. It says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, that's how friends sharpen each other. The, the process used when you shape metal in a blacksmith forge is the same process God uses to shape you. I, I have some stuff here that you maybe have noticed uh, from a friend, uh, Jarrett C. Slack, who's on our staff here, and he's an awesome guy and an awesome blacksmith. He's got a, a, a webpage, that.com. He's, he's a great guy. He was actually on the show, Forged in Fire, and he gave me this blacksmithing sort of lesson, and, and what he showed me is, is that you can take a hunk of metal like this, just a rough hunk of nothing metal like that, and eventually... <laughs> Through a process, it can turn into something beautiful and useful like this with a sharp edge a nice design and a beautiful handle. But you have to submit this thing to a process if you hope to have something beautiful and useful and purposeful come out of it like that. And and so how do you do that? Well, you first you might stick it in the fire and you got to get it super super hot. And then uh then you're gonna maybe bang on it a little, and it it, it, you're gonna have to hit on that thing and start shaping it and changing the shape of it. You're gonna have to take some files and get some of the big rough edges off and start getting it down into the shape of a knife. But then You know what? You've got a bunch more shaping to do. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to bring in the big guns. And that's where iron starts to sharpen iron. Yeah. Just get some sparks going. Get some sparks going. I'm just about done. Because this has a metallic surface on it. If I took a sponge or a cloth and I'm wiping on that thing, it's not going to change. But the biblical principle still holds true, not just in a blacksmith shop, but in our own lives, doesn't it? Because sometimes we're pretty hard and stubborn and some real change needs to happen. And God uses lots of ways to do that in our lives. Sometimes it's the fire of a tragedy or sometimes it's the hammering of his discipline. Sometimes it's the filing off of rough edges and things in our life that just don't belong and need to, to go away. And sometimes God uses other people to shape us into the likeness of his son. Some of the biggest changes in my life have come because other people have cared enough to come alongside me and to put their metal to the metal. So let me ask you this. How life-giving and life-shaping and life-changing are your relationships right now? It's a pretty important question. Are there any people in your life that are helping you change? It's a really important question. Life-giving relationships don't drain you. They they build you up and they encourage you. Life-shaping relationships challenge you. They they don't just leave you the same. Ephesians 4.15 says, We've got to sometimes speak the truth in love. You know, that's, that's how we become more like Christ. Someone who says, I love you so much, I'm not going to let, you, let your schedule remain so unbalanced, Or That's not a good look, the way you talk to your spouse. Or I'm going to give you some truthful observations about what you're posting on social right now. Those are the things. Proverbs 27 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted because I love you enough that I'm not just a, an enemy who's multiplying kisses and, oh, it's all great. Jesus didn't do that. He loved and he was compassionate, but he also told the truth in love. I asked for some help from a friend just this week. I said, would you write something up for me and just tell me how you think I could grow, how I can get better as a leader and a follower of Jesus. And he wrote some very nice things and sent them back to me. And then at the end, he says, well, you asked for it. He says, "Um, one thing is, Ben, sometimes I think when a new idea comes that you don't like, you get defensive. And I said, defensive? It's the dumbest thing. I mean, Defensive. Why are you always coming at me anyway? I said, no, I didn't say that actually. I said, thank you because he was dead on right. And he's a friend who I know loves me. And those words sting in a good way. Do you have anyone speaking the truth and love into your life like that? So you can have a life-changing relationship that helps you become more like Christ. I want you to meet some friends of mine, Lance and Maritza. Um, they have huddled together, uh, banded together in a group during COVID, no less, um, and just kind of clung to the center of that merry-go-round. And they've seen amazing things. People from the Bel Air campus, edu- uh, Aberdeen campus, I mean, a- Abingdon campus, and uh, all over the map spiritually. It had a baptism in their group. They had so many cool things. And iron is sharpened iron. Will you go ahead and just listen to what they have to say? So, Lance and Maritza, we're talking about groups today at at Mountain, and you guys are like all of a sudden you're like group junkies, right? You're like, I gotta have it. You love you love what you love your group. Tell us about your group and what's so great about it.
1: Well, um, Sarah at the Abingdon campus, she um, she asked us at the last minute if we wanted to be um, facilitators, and I told Maritza. I asked her. I was I was scared to death. I, I was nervous. I was like, Is this is this really for me? I'm not a leader. Well, we decided to step out on faith and, and lead the group. And it's just been a fantastic and like journey. Like there's, there's Joseph, there's Camille, there's Brittany, there's Tita, there's Rusty and Lisa, there's Jason and Michelle. And we were all thrown together and we didn't know one another. And they just just uh, like, we were, most of us were quiet and we just started off like bonding, like just, just the relationships that we formed with each other and, and closer to Christ. And the the whole rooted experience was just unbelievable. Um, the, the prayer night, the, the, um, the strongholds night was especially like special to me where us group of guys got to, to just open up and um, just just, it, it was hard for for some of them to to open up and talk about like everything and and the the serving opportunity was just was just incredible i i i can't say enough about that day that we spent together and afterwards we all got to hang out at at, at least in rusty's house and it was just just an unbelievable time and um at the end of rooted it was i was praying like constantly to, that God would show us um, the journey ahead of us. And that we would continue to meet as a group and and just this, this group of people is, they're so special to me and Maritza and um, everybody brings something to the table. Um, Every one of us could be a leader. I just, I just love everybody. And I just am so excited to see where God's going to take us with this group of people.
0: So you guys are staying together. I think that's awesome. It's like I heard that on Celebration Night, it wasn't too much of a celebration. You're like, oh, it's our group over? <laughs> so you found a way to stay together, and that's awesome. So Maritza, what's that mean to you, and what's unique, or what do you love about this group?
2: So uh, Lance, last year, Lance um, took Rooted, and he says, I'm going to pay for you. You're going to take Rooted. And I was kind of a little prideful. I said, look, you know, I'm doing a lot of devotions. I'm really close with God. I don't really need Rooted right now. I was being very prideful, and then um, then Sarah asked us, you know, to be facilitators for Rooted, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna try it. Um, everybody keeps talking about how wonderful it is, and I'm a little nervous and scared because I I I heard how wonderful Rooted was, and I didn't want to mess it up for anybody. I didn't want to mess up their experience, so I said yes, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, you know, I need you to show up and sort of lead through us because I don't know what I'm doing. So the first night that we got together, um, I shared my story, and um, you know that there's there's three couples in the group, including us. Well, there's and you know just a few of us are single, and some of us are married. So um, I shared my story about how Lance and I have been trying to get pregnant, and um, I also shared the story about the loss of our pregnancy, and I don't know it must have, have it must have been god that came over me to open up on something so intimate to a group of people that i've never met before um right away the fact that those words came out of my mouth i felt that something special was going to happen and um later on i um the group told me that it made them comfortable to open up to me and i just started we started feel like like an attraction toward each other. And I knew that that attraction was Christ. Every day we would pray in, someone different would pray in. If they wanted to, that's great. If they didn't, nobody was rushed or forced. And we always invited Christ in to lead the group. And every time we did that, he did, he showed up because I'm not a leader. I I was scared, I was nervous, Um, I had anxiety. And, and Jesus came in and he took over and everything flowed easily and people opened up and people shared their stories. And we wanted to keep being together as a group. And we decided um, the last few weeks of Rooted that we were gonna continue staying together. And we have, and we're as Lance said, we're doing um, uh, Priscilla Shires, the Armor of God as our first Bible study um, group um, study. And this is the second week and I'm already blown away by the things that we're learning. It's just, it's amazing. We we love each other deeply. We want to do life together. And this group of people, they are so special to my heart. I see Christ in every single one of them. And I never would have had this experience had I not said yes to something that I was deathly afraid of, but it has blessed me so many times over. I can't, I can't say it enough.
0: You guys, um, obviously, moving from a group of strangers to a group where you've said probably five times, I just love these people. And I love what you said. Uh, Both of you alluded to this, uh, that I think you're kind of drawn to this group because you sense you're really being drawn to God. And I love what you were saying about just how you're all growing in Christ and you're growing in your friendships. Uh, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I want to thank you just for, for sharing a little bit of your group and thank your awesome group, um, for us. And, uh, we wish you the best with it. And out of this, I just hope that a lot of people catch some of your enthusiasm and follow, uh, in your footsteps and take the plunge into group life. Really appreciate you guys hanging out and spending the time. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you. Thanks,
0: Ben. All right. Bye-bye. Bye Bye. I think we all are experiencing a little bit of the problem of isolation right now, and I think the real important question is that we all understand that there is an invitation to a place where there is a place for you, and that if we enter into a process, God can really bring change in our lives. This is a great time to step up and make a commitment to a group at Mountain. Let me tell you about two amazing opportunities right now. Campus groups are just beginning and there's plenty of room for more people and it's not just a Bible study. We're going through the book of Acts but you're going to experience not just what happened back then but how the Spirit of God can come into your life and change it now. And A lot of excitement and buzz about this. There's plenty of room for you. There's a there's an um, address there. Go to the website. It's uh, backslash campus groups and also here's your chance to jump into Rooted. If you've not jumped into a Rooted group so far please, I can't encourage you strongly 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 enough, 10 weeks of an amazing study, powerful. uh, That one's all in person, and you can find information on that on our website as well, mountaincc.org, backslash rooted. The problem is real. We're not immune. There is a real problem, but there is a real place as well. It's not room 210. It's It's a church. It's a family. It's a community. It's a small group, and I hope that you will join me in trying to submit to a process by which iron will sharpen iron so God can transform us. What if by the end of 2021, we didn't just end the year the way we started, but we really were shaped into what the Lord intends us to be? Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen.